Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. We are in the um, season of The Outsiders, so um, our theme this year is Up and Out, and um, January, February, we've been talking about The Upper Room, and now in March and April, we are talking about The Outsiders, and um, for me, I really just kind of considered who The Outsiders were, or who The Outsiders are, who actually falls into that category, and we as Christians are outsiders, because we're living for a different kingdom, Um, we're not living for for our time here on earth necessarily, we're living for eternity, and so that separates us from the world, that separates us from the average person, I guess, and, and what I really considered was, what does it actually take to be an outsider, okay, and um, there's, you know, this idea that the outsider is someone who's a Christian, who's a disciple of Jesus, but what does that actually look like? to be a disciple. And we are going to cover something that's not very lighthearted at all this morning. Um, And we're going to actually talk about um, the cost of discipleship. Um, Because we can can show up to church on a Sunday and and we can meet with Jesus and we can give our heart to him and receive salvation and um, the gift of eternity and that's all well and good. Um, But Jesus actually tells us that it will cost you something. To be my follower, to be my disciple, actually comes at a cost. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, So hopefully you're with me. It is a heavy topic. Um, But we're going to jump straight in and and go to Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 35. It'll be on the screen. And the context for this verse is that... um, Jesus was well into his ministry now, and he was gaining a lot of followers. A lot of people were coming out to see Jesus. Um, Maybe they actually wanted to be a follower. Maybe they just wanted to see a miracle take place, because by this point he had done many miracles, and um, people were curious. And then, you know, there were some who were genuine followers of Jesus and wanted to travel around with him. They wanted to hear his teaching. Um, And at this point, he had predicted his death um, at least one time. And um, the disciples didn't fully understand what he meant. We we know that scene in the Bible where Peter actually reprimands Jesus and, um, you know, says, what are you talking about? Like, you're not going to die. We've got all these plans, remember? And um, Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Um, Fully calls him out and, and shuts him down. And they didn't understand the cost. They thought that Jesus was going to save them from Rome, the political climate of the time. He was going to deliver them from hardships. He's saying he's the king of the Jews. Great, we're going to have a new king, and he's, going to, he's this rebel who's going to overthrow Rome, and we're going to have health and wealth and all this prosperity, and it's going to be great. And Jesus delivers this really powerful reality check to them. And the title of my message um, this morning is, I have counted the cost, 
and we're looking at the cost of being a disciple. So Luke chapter 14, 25 to 35. Let's read. It says, A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war with another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy's still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor... How do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is essentially good for nothing. And the key here is that if I want to be a true disciple of Jesus, I must give up everything, possibly even to the point of death. Yeah. My first point is that Christ must be my preference. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, Christ must be my preference. It must be that I am choosing him above everything else. I'm choosing him above every convenience, every sense of security that I have. Um, I am laying it all down. Christ is my priority. His will is my command. And I choose the kingdom of God even when I don't understand. And even if it costs me my own life, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even your own life. And he's not saying, he's not trying to incite hate and say, hate your family. He's making a point like we have to consider the culture of the time that There are people who um, have grown up in certain cultures, certain households with certain religions, and to deviate from that and suddenly become a Christian might mean that your family disowns you. It might cost you your family. It might cost you your friends. And so it's this, what he's saying to them is that I'm your preference. You must choose me even if these people make you an outcast, even if these people judge you, even if these people no longer want anything to do with you and they disown you, I choose Jesus, okay? And it's this idea of that, like, I must give up my own way. It's self-denial over self-preservation. I'm denying myself my wants, my needs, and my desires because Christ is my priority and His will is what I want to align my life with. And I think as well, like, when I was thinking about this, um, the most heartbreaking discipleship story I find in the Bible is the story of Judas, who was given such opportunity. He walked in close proximity with Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus, had every opportunity to align his heart with, with God's, 
and he chose not to. He had a problem with greed and selfish ambition and he sold Jesus out for 30 silver coins because he could not deny himself. He could not give up everything. He could not give up that one thing, that greed, that problem with money that he was holding on to. He was clinging to his life and he did not make Jesus his preference. Point number two. This is the really hard one. I must carry my own cross and follow him. And at the time, um, the crowd that that Jesus was speaking to absolutely would have understood what it meant to carry their cross. Um, in, In our first world country in Australia, you know, in Western civilization, we don't necessarily fully understand what that means. To them, they knew that carrying my cross was unto death. I am going to a place of death. I have been charged with some kind of crime. And what he's saying is that if you're going to follow me and be my true disciple and say that you believe in me and you believe in the kingdom of God, it might actually cost you your life. You might actually be persecuted. And for us, like the cross, the cross represents suffering. Um, and none of us are exempt from that. So the call to actually take up my cross is demanding. It requires sacrifice. It often requires suffering. And the world will always tell you to lay down your cross. Don't pick up your cross. That's too hard. Lay that down. Come over in this direction. And Jesus is saying, pick up your cross, carry it, and follow me. It's completely opposite to that that uh, self-preservation way of thinking that we so often talk about. But it's also this idea that, yeah, I'm carrying my cross, but I'm also following Jesus. So my suffering or what I'm going through, my circumstance, it doesn't cause me to waver. It's not, it's not I'm carrying my cross and this is so heavy and I'm all on my own. Oh my gosh. Um, it's, it's I'm carrying my cross and I'm with Jesus. I'm not, I'm not going to waver in my belief or my conviction. I trust that what God says is true. I trust that He's sovereign, that He's good no matter what, that He's faithful. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 25 says this in a different way. He says, If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? And other translations say, what do you, what do you gain if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? And this requires a daily commitment to Christ. It's daily I'm making a decision to pick up my cross. Not once a year, Not every now and then. It's daily. You cannot hold on to your life and be a disciple. John 12, 25, verse 6 says this. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. I must have my eyes set on the kingdom of God and be wherever Jesus is. So I'm taking my cross, I'm following him because 
He's my preference, and I just want to be wherever Jesus is. I recognize that I'm living for eternity. So every decision I make, no matter what my circumstance is, I have eternity on my mind. All right, and point number three is this. Oh, my gosh. I woke up with um, a bit of a cold yesterday, and I don't want to be that person who, like, sniffles into the microphone. So gross. Point number three, sorry about that, um, is this. I must not begin until I have counted the cost, okay? So Jesus is very clear in the scripture. Who would begin a building project um, without actually first doing the math, doing the calculations? Any people out there who um, have unfinished projects at home? It's not, you know, you're not meant to admit to that. My dad... Um, my dad took almost 10 years to, to build our family home, um, master procrastinator, and I'm still not even, even convinced that it's finished. I think they're still doing things. But what's the point in starting something if you can't finish it? So the project then becomes ineffective. It does not, it does not um, achieve what you intended for it to achieve, okay? And it's this heart check too, like count the cost because this is hard count the cost because you're going to have to carry your cross and it might actually be unto death. Like you might actually have to die for this cause. So don't begin. Don't begin until you've counted the cost. Don't be my disciple if you count the cost and decide you can't afford it. It's quite harsh. In order for me to do the work, and I must do the work, I need to develop disciplines around my life and ensure that I have what it takes to make it to the end. And sometimes, so we might kind of say, like, this is a really heavy passage of Scripture. Jesus is saying, I require everything. I require your whole life. And sometimes we might ask, well, what if I, what if I count the cost and I decide I'm out? What if I can't be a disciple? And it's, it's a place that I, well, I actually ask myself regularly, just as my own personal heart check, but it's a place I've come to in my life before where a few, um, oh, how many years ago now, maybe five years or so ago now, um, when, when we were just um, dating and engaged, we were running um, a youth ministry. And um, partway through that, um, Nathan ended up getting diagnosed with cancer. And it's fine because you just, you go through the motions and you do the treatment and it's all good. And he got better and went into remission and we got married and then we moved here. And um, the year of 2018, so we, we left youth ministry. And sometimes um, when you run a ministry or you have a job that requires you to um, work with people a lot, you can sometimes get really hurt and disappointed by different things that happen. And in 2018, I really decided that um, I, I, didn't re I didn't have what it took. And I, I heard the taunt of the enemy say to me, if you, weren't, if you weren't effective for Jesus, if you weren't doing youth ministry and all these things, Nathan wouldn't have gotten sick. And I developed this whole, I allowed this whole way of thinking that year to just consume me, that if I was effective for Jesus, if I ran a ministry, if I 
you know, did something that was significant for the kingdom of God, he might die. Someone I love might die. I might die. The cost would be too much for me. And it was the worst year of my life. I was so consumed by um, anxiety and fear. And I would come home from work some days and I would have to go into my bedroom and just shut the door and try and breathe. And I'm not that kind of person. And I remember just being in my bedroom one day towards the end of that year. I allowed this to go on for far too long. And I just heard that gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit. When are you just going to surrender? When are you just going to give up? What do you really have to lose? Pastor Carolina always says there's life on the other side of death. The Bible tells us there's life on the other side of death. What are you going to gain if if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? What are you going to gain if you gain security and satisfaction and wealth and prosperity, whatever it might be, but you did nothing for the kingdom of God? And I had to come to a place of deep repentance. I'm so sorry, God, for not trusting who you said you are. I'm so sorry for not believing that you're good. I'm sorry for for allowing the voice of the enemy to be louder in my life than the voice of God. I'm sorry that I took you off your throne and I placed myself on the throne and I made an idol of things in my life out of fear. And I repented. And, and it came out of a um, space where I think I'd, Pastor Caroline had met with me and asked me to run something or, or do something. And I had to really awkwardly say to her, oh, um, actually, when I, when I do these things, bad things happen to me. So maybe not me. And I, I had to go back and say yes to that. I had to actually just take a a practical step. Even though my mindset probably was still like, like I probably was still afraid and it takes a while to break these things. I actually just had to go through the motions and do something. And you do actually have what it takes. If If you count the cost and you decide it's probably too much for you, you actually do have what it takes because Holy Spirit has encountered you. He's the one who empowers you. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 19 says this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. It's Paul talking. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. You actually don't have to do anything in your own strength. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. You know your suffering, your hardship. 
actually leads more people to Jesus than maybe your prosperity or whatever it might be. Because people are watching the testimony of your life. And if you can walk something, if you can carry your cross and remain in Jesus, remain following Him, and, and live out the redemptive power and restoration that He offers, that's, that's called hope. I can carry my cross and follow Jesus because I have hope that there's an eternity waiting for me. That empowers people. That gives people hope. And you might, you might have to carry your cross, but I want to make this point really clear. And yeah, we're talking about how it might actually be unto death. Like you might actually be persecuted for what you believe, the context of the scripture. But you actually, while you might have to carry your cross, you don't have to die on that anymore. Because that's what Jesus' resurrection power does for you. He already defeated death. And so now we have hope in eternity. Now we've been restored to Jesus. And so we can approach this scripture, we can approach this passage without fear and trembling. Because he's already equipped us. His grace is sufficient for us. And we can make the decision that Christ is my preference. I'm choosing Him over everything else. He is my priority over convenience, over wealth, over material things. And the reality of life is that we do suffer. So I may as well pick up my cross. I don't really have an option. And I may as well keep following Him. That's how you count the cost. C.S. Lewis says this. I'm going to close on this. I don't think it's on the screen. Apologies. It says, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely think, uh, ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. I need to consider the fact that I'm... I'm actually living like from the future for the future. I have eternity on my mind. I'm not thinking about how I can gain the whole world. I don't want to lose my soul. I am offering up everything I have. He can have it all. Because what is the alternative? death, not knowing Jesus, not being effective for Jesus, not doing anything for the kingdom. And His grace always covers us, but my personal conviction is that I may as well give it all to Jesus. He's done so much for me anyway. We're going to close in prayer and um, Pastor Caroline is going to come and and lead a salvation invitation moment for us. Um, but I just want you to reflect on that this morning, that it actually is a significant requirement to be a disciple, to be counted as a disciple. And we can sometimes approach Scripture and think, oh, I'm out. 
But God's actually equipped us with all that we need. His grace is sufficient for us in order for us to do His work. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.